It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everyone, it's Ron Johnson and this is the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast Network. On today's show, come on now, you know we got to talk about Vikings, Eagles. They didn't get it done. We thought they would. Kirk Cousins is now, has a record that a lot of people are like, really? And I'm going to talk about that, Kirk Cousins' record, and what does that mean for the future of the Vikings? But also, we got to talk about what happened. There were some turnovers, yes. There were some drop balls, yes. The defense didn't look too hot at certain points in the game, but there were three things I took away from this game that I think the Vikings can build on for the future. It's only week two. Sky's not falling yet, people. But I explain that coming up next in the Ron Johnson Show. On the field, in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. One of a kind opinions, big name guests, the teams you care about every, every, every day. It's the Ron Johnson Show, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. And it starts now. Hey, everyone. It's Ron Johnson, and this is the Ron Johnson Show. And you know what? I'm excited because there is more football to come. The Vikings are playing the Detroit Lions. We slept on that loss, and now we can wake up and move on to the next game. But before we move on to the next game, we got to break down what happened and what the Vikings can do to build on. What are my three takeaways from that game? I'll give them to you in a minute. But first... When you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Subscribe to the free Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast feed wherever you find your podcast, and find our videos on the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. And as we bring my producer to the show, Sam Ekstrom, Sam, it happened. The Vikings got bought back to reality, but this is what I'll say. This is what I thought about last night on the Vikings fan line. Uh, we took a lot of calls. We had a lot of people that were upset about the game. We had a lot of people that were, were pissed off about what happened. We had a lot of people, you know, ready to throw it, throw, throw the whole thing away. Let's start all over again. It's the same team. Nothing's changed. Kirk Cousins, as I talked about his record, 60-60-2 in his career now. He is completely mediocre, as some would put it, but he's not a losing quarterback. He's not 10-50. and 50. That could be what we're dealing with, a 10-50 and 50 quarterback and looking for his next home. No, very mediocre, yes. Um, haven't had a chance to really look at his Vikings overall record, but yes, his overall record is 60-60-2. and two. There's nothing wrong with that, but what people are thinking is if you're going to make $28 million a year, you should win more games. Most quarterbacks are judged on their wins. Adam Thielen had a quote and said, the interceptions are not a quarterback stat. It's a team stat. I get the sentiment, Adam. Sometimes it's just a quarterback stat. I mean, if the quarterback has no pressure and nobody's there and he just throws the ball up and it gets picked off, it's on the quarterback. Yes, the receiver can play DB, but that's not what he signed up to be. He signed up to be a receiver. So I get it. I get it. I get it. We're trying to uh, protect what happened, uh, make our quarterback, you know, be on his side, have his back. I get that. But sometimes the interception is just an interception. A bear is just a bear. If it quacks, it's a duck. So... What do I take? Here's my three takeaways. One, I like the Irv Smith usage. Now, Irv Smith has a lot to work on. I feel like the game and some of the little intricacies of the game have passed him by due to injury. 
So Irv Smith has got to kick it in the fifth gear. He's got to get some extra work in. I wish, I hope I get a chance to, you know, sit down and, and connect with them. I don't know if this season, maybe in the off season, because I, I see some things in his route tree that are easily fixable with just repetition, easily fixable. Uh, both of those third downs where he ran an in route and he ran a shallow route and the, the DB and the linebacker were draped all over him. Kirk Cousins had no, so he created no separation. And the drop, yep, we get it, but that's going to happen. Two, the defense shut him out in the second half. They scored 24 points in the first half. They scored zero in the second half. Now, you can say the fourth quarter, the Eagles were kind of playing it down. They were trying to drain the clock out, whatever. The Vikings found a way. Uh, my third one is first downs. The Vikings only got six first downs in the first quarter, in the first half. They were able to finish the game with 20. So they out first down them in the second half, 14 to seven. They doubled their first down margin. Uh, and you can't tell me the Eagles did not want to convert first down. So that I will call bogus boo-boo. Don't try to tell me that the Eagles took the foot off the pedal. Those are my takeaways. I mean, the fact that, the, that they found a way, they just couldn't get it. Kirk Cousins, if he doesn't throw an interception uh, the fade to Justin Jefferson, I think Justin Jefferson's thinking back shoulder. He runs the fade and separates from uh, Darius Slay without pressing him as if he's waiting for it to fade over his shoulder or it's going to be a jump ball. I think Justin Jefferson's thinking, hey, Kirk, I got space. Stick it to me right now on the outside. I'm a back shoulder this fade. Just weren't on the same page there. I don't know what was going on, but they weren't on the same page. Who knows what the play was called? We'll never know. But if he doesn't do that, that's 14 to 24. You look at the other interception. Avante Maddox, there's a better option there. One, throw it earlier. If you're going to throw that corner out, throw it before Thielen breaks. There's nobody over there, so there's no reason to hold the ball. Even if it was completed, Thielen would have had to stop to catch the ball. Throw it so Thielen's running through the throw. So he's running through it. He can catch it, run it, step, get out of bounds. Avante Maddox doesn't have time to react because he's still on Justin Jefferson. The fact that he had time to settle his feet because he knows Justin Jefferson now what route he's running, he was able to back up and get it. If you're going to make that throw too, you got to throw it harder and higher. So Adam Thielen has to just jump and catch it. One, one it's so hard and fast and high, he's not going to get hit in the ribs from the backside safety. If he does that, he probably scores there. And now you're looking at, 21 to 24. So at the end of the game, the Vikings actually have a shot. They actually can kick a field goal to go in overtime. Maybe they just kick a field goal and they get points there too. So instead of two interceptions, because you had two big plays from Jordan Hicks and you had a, a big block from Patrick Peterson and you got nothing for it. But if you get even two field goals, there's 13 to 24 and it feels better. Another touchdown. It's 20 to 24. You might go for two to be down by three. Again, there's so much that could have happened there. There's so much different if you protect the ball. Um, yeah, it just seemed like Kevin O'Connell didn't give Kirk Cousins a chance to understand the coverage. But that's what I took from the game. It is what it is. We have Byron Chamberlain coming up on today's show. I'm excited about that. Forgot to say that. Uh, make sure you stick around for the Byron Chamberlain one-on-one. And then uh, the hanging with Ron Johnson segment, he's going to be in for the Daily Three. But Sam, what did you take from Monday night's game? Mm -hmm. Yeah, tale of two halves, Ron. You got a defensive implosion in the first half and a quarterback collapse in the second half. Um, first half offensively, nothing going. I think you had four three and outs in the first half, uh, a two-minute drive that went badly and allowed the Eagles to score more before halftime. But then the second half, you are inside the opponent's 30-yard line four occasions. 
Now, both of the two of those were set up by a blocked field goal and an interception. But for the offense to do nothing with that and produce no points is unacceptable. And I'm not sure I've seen Kirk as flustered or more flustered than he was last night. Now, I look back through Kirk's game logs. He does this about once a year, Ron, where the QBR is less than 20 and he throws multiple interceptions, and it's usually in the first few games of the season. I'm thinking back to Buffalo 2018, Packers 2019, Colts 2020, and then last year it was the Browns game 2021. This always happens early in the season with Kirk where things just fall apart on him, and I don't know if it's adjusting to new schemes, new coordinators all the time, but he looked pretty uncomfortable back there. I know he was getting pressure. I mean, it's tough to play under pressure, but to throw up just jump balls, basically, and a couple other throws, too, that could have been intercepted in addition to the three that were, that was a very uncharacteristic performance for a guy that prides himself on taking care of the football. I think you can knock Justin for, for that first interception. The other two were squarely on Kirk, who needed to produce at least a couple scores out of those four trips deep into enemy territory. So um, they had chances, Ron, to get back in that game, but uh, plenty to pick apart with the defense as well in that first half. Like I said, just like any other sport, any other event you do, when it goes bad, you you look at the film, you watch it, they're going to watch it, they're going to see a lot of issues. I think KLC looked very prepared for the Packers. He looked unprepared for the Eagles. His offense did not look like it was moving on all cylinders. The motions and shifts looked like they were tapered down a ton. You didn't have the same urgency with some of the pre-snap stuff. It, I didn't see it. You didn't see it. The run game, they got out of it way too early. Like it, it just, it wasn't set up. You have to run the ball if you're going to run play action. You have to run the ball if you're going to keep those linebackers and safeties nosy in the box. If they know, hey, this is going to be a pass, your tight ends, your your receivers running those over routes, they're going to struggle because those guys are getting out of there quick. If you are, if they're scared of what Dalvin Cook can do, a draw, whatever, a screen, they're going to be there. But every single play, it felt like the Eagles knew what was coming and they were, they just knew, they studied. Like every screen, they were right there. Every run, they had every gap closed. Like it just, there was nothing that felt like, oh man, like maybe the Jalen Rager jet sweep which i don't know why they didn't do that a couple more times just to get some on the edge because the middle was plugged get dalvin cook going on the edge with a toss sweep or a toss crack you have to be able to get dalvin in space versus if they're if their big guys are just plugging those gaps you got to go outside you got to give them a two-way option where he can be one-on-one with the linebacker in space um it wasn't the packers he set that stuff up it just wasn't set up this game i don't know why um you know who knows monday night could have been a lot. It's, it's only his second game as head coach. Uh, but we'll figure that out. But coming up next, we got Pro Bowl NFL tight end Byron Chamberlain. But before we get into that, we got a word from our sponsors. BetOnline.net brings you today's show. It is your number one source for pro and college betting information. Find all the latest developments, game matchups, news, podcasts, and every line from the upcoming week in NFL football. The Vikings are early six-point favorites against the Detroit Lions. We'll see if that changes after Detroit's big win and Minnesota's big loss. Vikings are minus 240 on the money line, over under 52.5. So expecting points to be scored in that game. You can find that and plenty more at betonline.net. That's MLB, MMA, boxing, golf, and eSports as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. Up next on the Hangover Ron Johnson segment, 
I got my boy Byron Chamberlain. Byron Chamberlain and I crossed paths in Minnesota. He came to Minnesota with the, uh, from the Denver Broncos in 2001, 2002. I was a senior in college, so I remember Byron being a, a pro bowler back then. Um, I, I remember those Vikings days. Um, and it, it, that's what I learned. That's how I learned football in college, you know, kind of seeing Randy Moss, Chris Carter, Byron Chamberlain. But Byron, man, I want to thank you for joining me. Uh, quick question for you, man. You played for the Denver Broncos, and so many people talk about the mile-high experience and so on and so forth. Uh, how was it for you, and did you were you ever bothered by the altitude? <laughs> uh, you know, that, that mile-high experience is definitely real. That thin air up there. Uh, quick story. Um, when I came in as a rookie, Terrell Davis and I, they gave us uh, some options about working out on the during the offseason with the team. And, uh, you know, they had a, an early morning group that started about uh, 8 o'clock, and they had another one that started at, at 1030. Terrell Davis and I, thinking we are going to sleep in, uh, chose this, the 1030 group. Uh, and the uh, strength and conditioning coach absolutely broke us off. Um, and, uh, that being, you know, you think you're in shape coming from coming straight out of college, but you know, you're not, you're not used to that thin air. Uh, I mean, it took us four or five hours on the training table trying to recover. So it is a real deal. <laughs> it, it takes about, you know, two to three weeks of, of training in it to, to really get used to it. But, but once you, once you've, uh, once you've, you know, gone about three weeks, you, you get really acclimated to it. Yeah, and you mentioned Terrell Davis. I mean, you played with some uh, Hall of Famers. Um, what was yeah. that experience like? Man, it was it was awesome coming into that locker room. Uh, you know, we had we just had some outstanding football players, but some outstanding leaders. You know, when you walk in there, and it, it's clearly uh, you have a guy John Elway, who's clearly the the the, the you know the 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 lead guy on that team. I mean, it was John's team, and you knew it was John's team. And, and John was a great leader, a great guy, great person, as well as a great player. You had other guys like Steve Atwater, Shannon Sharp, uh, a, a guy who I direct, you know, who, who was my direct mentor and, and really taught me everything about being a pro, being a, a tight end and, and, and having success in the league. Uh, and so, so many other guys. And like I said, my class coming in with uh, Terrell Davis, um, it, it was just, it was, it was incredible to have that type of talent as well as that type of leadership in the locker room. Yeah, and you 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 had the opportunity to play in a couple of Super Bowls. Uh, you were blessed to win them. Uh, what was that experience like? Like going through that season, and then you know having the repeat as well. What did that? What was that whole experience like? Yeah, it was it was great. I mean, it was it was everything that you think it's going to be. Uh, and then when you look back on the journey and, and the things that you had to overcome to make that happen, uh, it, it made it that much more special. Um, and, and and you mentioned you know going to the Super Bowl for the first year, but then you know going back and and defending the title and, and trying to repeat. Uh, two different energies, really, really. Uh, you know you, when you're chasing that title, when you're chasing the crown, uh, versus defending it, uh, it, it's a whole different mindset. It's a whole different energy. Once you once you've got it, you know you're taking everyone's best shot. And, and I remember times like. We we play teams like uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. They weren't a good team back then, but we struggled with them. 
uh, and you know we had to score a, a last minute touchdown. I think we scored a touchdown with like 45 seconds left. Classic John Elway uh, fourth quarter comeback uh, because you're going to get every team's best shot when they, you're the champ. Um, and so it, it just had two different fields, two for, two different energies, but both uh, were, were satisfying. Both were, you know, you know, you still at the end of the day felt on top of the world. Yeah, man, you were blessed with the opportunity to play with a guy by the name of Shannon Sharp. Uh, you know, being in the same meeting room, you know, hanging out with them, learning from them. What did you learn as a tight end from Shannon Sharp? <laughs> uh, in a word, everything. And, and that's serious. I'm serious about that when I, when I say that. Uh, the funny story is, um, you know, I was drafted as a receiver, uh, and I, I was like you, a big receiver that, uh, you know, Mike Shanahan thought, okay, I can, I can put some weight on this guy. He's not going to lose that much speed, and, and uh, this will be, you know, some mismatch problems. So once they officially, my second year, uh, moved me to tight end, uh, I went to the training room. Uh, I'm not, not sorry, the training room, the equipment room. And I went to the equipment manager. I said, hey, move my my locker right next to Shannon's because he's going to be my mentor regardless of whether he wants to or not. Um, I was just, you know, that determined to learn from him. You know, he had the type of career that I wanted. He had the type of longevity that I wanted. And, and I was in the middle of I mean, just actually seeing a Hall of Fame career as it is happening. And so, you know, Shannon was gracious and Shannon wasn't, you know, you know, a lot of guys in the NFL don't want to help their competition or guys that they feel are their competition competing for their spot. But Shannon was gracious and Shannon was like, hey, man, if you're if you're good as they 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 think you are, uh, I'm going to I'm going to teach you everything. That was his exact words to me and literally taught me everything about uh, playing the position of tight end, playing the position of H back. Um, taught me everything as just as far as just being a pro and how to how to prepare how to study even you know even down to how to how to dress on the plane and, and things of that sort so I, I learned everything in my career and I, I I give Shannon a lot of props for 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 teaching guys like myself um, we had another uh, tight end Dwayne Carswell who was a pro bowl tight end as well uh, Desmond Clark who um, you know, yep. played with us, and then he had a long career with the Chicago Bears. Uh, Shannon was was that guy who really wanted to impart his knowledge uh, to these um, you know younger tight ends. He he wasn't afraid of uh, somebody coming in and stealing his job. Yeah, and and so you brought you brought up a good point. You know, looking at tight ends that that have gone there, like I played with Dez in Chicago, a uh, great guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, you talk about Shannon Sharp, though, in, in teaching. And, and it looks like, you know, 97, 98, and then 99, you kind of burst onto the scene, 57 targets, 32 catches, 2000 had a good year. And then you go to the Minnesota Vikings and have a Pro Bowl season in your first season with the Vikings. When you decided to go to Minnesota, what went into that decision? So um, didn't get the offer I wanted um, from the Broncos. I was a free agent. Uh, and so, you know, went to visit, um, uh, my college coach was, uh, Marty Morningwig. Uh, he was in Detroit, went to, went to, uh, visit, um, Belichick in New England. And, uh, and then I went to visit Denny Green in Minnesota. And I, when I sat down with Denny, I mean, 
he made it, he made me feel so comfortable. Number one, the first thing he said to me is I've studied tape on every free agent tight end and I want you to be my starting tight end. That was the first words he said. And he said, if you come here to Minnesota, this exact word, uh, man, rest Denny. soul. I, I love the guy, but Denny said this, his opening statement to me is I want, I've studied tape on every tight end on this free agent tight end. I want you to be my starting tight end. And if you come here, you're going to catch 60 balls and you're going to make the Pro Bowl. His exact words. <laughs> he missed, missed it by three. Uh, but, you know, you know, when he started talking about, you know, Chris Carter and Randy Moss and Jake Reed and, and Dante Culpepper and, and, you know, this offense that I was going to be a part of, uh, it, it it was very attractive. I mean, you know Randy's going to get double. You know Chris is going to get a lot of attention. Jake Reed was a great third uh, receiver. And so, you know, he, he, in that scheme, you know, who, who are you going to double team? Who are you going to leave one-on-one? I was getting a lot of one-on-one coverage with linebackers, and and uh, and that, that's what happened that year. And when you came to Minnesota, I mean, definitely different than Denver with, with the weather. Similar, you both get snow, but Minnesota's just a different beast. Uh, what yeah, are, what are right. some of your, like, memories of practicing and playing here in the snow? <laughs> well, you're, you're 100% right. Uh, it's just it's just a, you know, a different type of cold in, in, in Minnesota. But the the thing that I, that I, I loved about that, and Denny, you know, his offseason home was San Diego. Denny really didn't like like dealing with the cold. So as long as we were playing in the Twin Cities, as long as we we're playing in the Dome, if it got a little cold, Denny would like, hey, let's take this thing inside because that's <laughs> going to be the environment we're going to be playing in. We're going to be playing in the Dome, so let's take it inside. But, you know, when you're, when you're out there and you got to play Chicago or Green Bay and you got to deal with that cold, you know, it's, it's just the mindset you just got to take it of being a pro and just fighting through it. Um, and so uh, those are kind of kind of some of the takeaways I remember. But, you know, Denny wouldn't hesitate. If we're playing at home, to, hey, let's take this thing inside and practice inside. And, and last one, um, about the current team, uh, Vikings okay. just lost to the, uh, to the uh, Eagles, you know, 24 to seven. There were some bright spots here and there, but not enough to, to really like shine what Kevin O'Connell can do. But when you look at a guy like Irv Smith, a tight end, uh, play the position you played uh, and you see things like that, a drop ball on a deep ball, mm-hmm. um, running routes and really just getting covered up, not really stair-stepping or, or giving any wiggle at the top to really create separation. Yeah. Uh, what are some wow. things as a tight end that Irv Smith can do to improve in week three versus Lions? Wow, you saw the exact same things that I saw. Uh, the third down play where he just kind of got himself covered. Uh, and, and yeah, the, using that stair step would, would have definitely helped him get open on, on the little crossing route he was running. But you know, here's the thing. Irvin's got, he's got a lot of talent and, and we see him make plays. So you, you, you want him to be a little more consistent uh, because you, you know he has the ability. Uh, the big ball down down the sideline. I mean that that one is a, is a game changer and it, it's it's a momentum changer. So you got to make that play. Um, but you know some of the things that 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 I would like to see, like you said, the, just the route running, the understanding coverage, understanding I got a guy with inside leverage and I'm running the inside route. I might I might want to take a direct angle right at him and threaten mm-hmm. him 
a little bit before trying to cross his face. Um, right. And, and those are things that he has got to pick up and he's got to learn um, to, to, to get better as a route runner. I uh, would love to see him uh, do a better job as well in line blocking. Uh, because when you when you, when you're a tight end and you're attached to that line, you're a part of that uh, opening those holes for for Dalvin. So uh, like to see him uh, improve there as well. But he's a guy with a ton of talent, a ton of ton of upside, and and he's just got to put in the work to to, to get better uh, and 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 to get get more consistent. Yeah, and, and I totally agree. That's why when I saw it, I was like, man, these are very fixable, coachable. Like he's gonna yeah. watch that film today. And he's going to be kicking himself like, oh, man, those are two first downs that I probably get for the T. And on that shallow, if he stair steps, who knows how long he'd be running. He might still be running. Yeah, because there he's, was he's, nobody. He's one-on-one -on -one with the linebacker. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but, yeah, he's one-on-one no. -on -one with the linebacker, and he has that type of speed to run away from linebackers. And if he makes that play, that could, like you said, that could be a big one. The one down the sideline, definitely a momentum-changing type of play. Um and so, you know, when, when, when you're in that game where things are not quite going well and you get the opportunity to make that play, you got to make it. Yeah. And, and lastly, when you see a coach like KLC coming in, head coach, um, they went from Mike Zimmer, defensive-minded head coach, to now Kevin O'Connell, offensive-minded head coach. As a tight end receiver, you know, when you feel your head coach is really bought in and really like in your meeting rooms and, and coaching you up, um, how much does that make you want to play for him every week, knowing that he's doing everything he can to make sure, because it's his offense, to make sure that this team is going to be offensive-led? Yeah, I mean, you want to you want to definitely get it right for him because that's where he hangs his hat on the offensive side of the ball. So you know you're going to get scrutinized a, a lot more if you don't come out uh, and, and perform because this is, you know, we, we made the switch from – like you said, a defensive-minded coach to an offensive-minded coach. So this is where this guy hangs his hat. So if, if the guys on offense can't can't do it or, or can't produce, you know you're going to get scrutinized. And, and and you know you know how it goes in this league. If you can't <laughs> if you can't consistently make plays, they're going to find somebody else. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Tony Dungy told me that rule when I was probably about 15, 16 years old. He's like, hey, whatever team you end up on, wherever you go, just remember. It's all about production. That's all they care about, yeah. you know. And I, and like I said, I, I, I'm a fan of Irv Smith. I think he can be really good with his speed and size. Um, he, you know, 6'4", 245 pounds. He has the ability. I think that there's little things that his coach is going to get him right. Uh, but up next, we got the daily three. Myself, Byron Chamberlain is going to stick around for that. And Sam is going to lead it. Take it away, Sam. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. All right, Byron, you're an esteemed tight end. I would like to get your take on some of the top tight ends in today's game that you enjoy watching. Uh, you can give one name, two names, three names, whatever you want, um, and I'll give you a chance to think about it. Let's have Ron start first. Ron, you can take it away with your favorite tight ends, and then we'll get to Byron. Got to go with Zach Ertz. I like Zach Ertz in, in a sneaky one because when he was with the Eagles, he was really good. 
Uh, Cardinals, he's doing well, but they haven't fully grasped what Kyler Murray can do with him because Kyler Murray's about Kyler Murray sometimes when it comes to running the ball. Uh, but I'm excited to see what Zach Ertz can do in that offense, especially when DeAndre Hopkins comes back, because as Byron alluded, once you get a top receiver back, the tight end becomes a lot more man coverage. Right now, Zach Ertz is kind of being bracketed. But when D-Hop is back, they can't do it. So I love Zach Ertz. And then I, I got to go with Travis Kelsey. Um, he's been consistent. I love his swag. Like, I love a player, period, with swag. But Travis Kelsey, like, he has that swag. Like, he's not afraid to – you know, be who he is in the locker room. He's not trying to be anything else but who he is, and I love that he doesn't hide that. Um, but his route running is elite. His separation, uh, his ability to do all that stuff um, that we just talked about that Irv should be doing, which is stair-stepping, uh, attacking leverage, understanding the coverage, giving Pat Mahomes a lot of space to make some crazy throws. And then a wild card when I'll throw in there. I, I love George Kittle because he's grimy. Like the dude does all the dirty work, the blocking, the the, the pushing a guy 25 yards down the field on a run block. Um, he's an exciting guy, and I, and I love what he does. Byron? Uh, I'll, I'll give you three. I'll start off with where he left off, Kittle. I, I, I love his game. Like I said, I, I like he's talking about, I love the fact that he he's the guy that does all the dirty work, but he also can make plays down the field and, and – uh, Love that about him. Uh, and, and then my two favorites um, are <laughs> from my arch rivals as a Bronco, as a Bronco arch rival. So I got to go with Waller in uh, oh, for yeah. the Raiders. Uh, mm -hmm. Love that guy. Uh, he's a he's a guy with a ton of talent, uh, a guy that you can do a lot of different things with. You see him lining up wide um, as a wide out and running the fade for the touchdown against the Cardinals uh, this weekend. Um, he's he's a, he's just a matchup nightmare. He 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 owns the middle of the field, and uh, and, and he's gonna guy. He's a guy that when he catches the ball, uh, the run after catch and the big plays that comes after that, he he, he can make those consistently. And, and then my favorite guy, you mentioned him, uh, is is um, is Kelsey uh, Travis. His unbelievable talent. He's a guy that he, he reminds me a lot of my game. Um, a, a good route runner, a guy who catches the ball with his hands. Uh, a guy that's going to going to make plays after he, he gets the ball in his hands, um, and uh, got a chance to meet him this summer uh, for the first time, and, and and just a great guy, and a guy who really appreciates uh, the history of the uh, of the tight end position and how it's developed, and how uh, guys like myself has influenced him. Some good answers all around there. Uh, let's get into number two. I would like to hear from both of you, the favorite quarterback that you caught passes from, whether it was college uh, career or pro career. Byron, we'll start with you this time. My college quarterback's going to be pissed, but I'm going to go with John Elway. Uh, I mean, it was <laughs> it was uh, amazing playing with that Hall of Famer. Uh, the guy had an absolute hand cannon uh, attached to his right side. Uh, uh, and, you know, a guy who, when I got in the league, he had seen it all, he had done it all. He had won every award possible that you could win in the league. The only thing that was left for him was to, to win a Super Bowl. Uh, quick story, I remember the first time I caught a ball from him uh, in, in minicamp, went back uh, after break and uh, called my grandfather. <laughs> and was like, hey, I just caught a ball from John Elway. <laughs> it was that big of a deal. Uh, so, that, I mean, that was easy. He's, he's one of the greatest to ever play the position. I was going to say, your first touchdown from John Elway, what did you do with that ball? Uh, still got it to this day. Still have it. 
did he sign it or you just got it painted by the team and no i i just got it i just got it painted uh didn't think about asking him to sign it <laughs> so you got to do it now so you, next time you know you're gonna be at a, a broncos event you got to just take it with you give them the sign part of it you sign the other part because that i mean that's a legacy for your kids or yeah. you know your family or you know whatever like that's something that like not a lot of people have uh touchdown ball that they actually caught from John Elway that he signed and they signed as well. Uh but yeah, no, I can't that's that's tough to top John Elway because I mean you've played with John Elway. Who was your quarterback in Minnesota? Uh Dante Culpepper. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, like yeah. I played with, with like Rex Grossman. Uh I had, you know, Chris Redman. Jeff Blake was older. Uh, as an African-American uh, quarterback, when I was growing up, that wasn't a big thing. Like, I heard stories from Tony Dungy about, you know, him having to become a safety uh, because, you know, he couldn't play. They didn't want to play quarterback in the NFL. Nobody wanted him, so they moved him to safety. Uh, so, and I remember growing up watching Jeff Blake uh, play. And so when he came to the Ravens, I think it was my third year, um, you know, actually, and then I think Kyle Bowler got hurt. Uh, Anthony Wright was playing for a little bit, then he got hurt. So having Jeff Blake come in, and then it was funny. I went to the Bears, and then they bought Jeff Blake there. So that was that was fun to get him again because, and he actually helped me make the Bears like one of the top two, three tight ends because we hit Blake and I had that relationship. And Byron knows that if you know somebody in camp and they know you and they they know what you can do, they're gonna probably throw you the ball just from like comfort. And so uh, yeah, I definitely enjoy balls from Jeff Blake because he threw the prettiest fade route i've ever seen uh it would be like so high and just up there for a while it had a perfect tight spiral but i remember growing up you know watching jeff blake so being able to play with him because i remember him and pickens with the bangles and then you know i'm like oh man and the dude came in with like gray hair like it was it was hilarious we we called him gramps uh but you know to be a 22 23 year old seeing this dude walk in your locker room with gray hair you're like what is this uh so i enjoyed the jeff blake ball all right, last one before we're done. After week two of the NFL season, I want both of your Super Bowl favorites after seeing two weeks' worth of games. Ron, we'll start with you. I got to go with the Buffalo Bills. They look absolutely dominant. My boy Stefan Diggs is killing it. Like I tweeted something about Diggs earlier, and he retweeted it, and it blew up. Um, and I wasn't like praising him. I was just saying that he has the ability that I've seen when he was here in Minnesota for so many years that Josh Allen's going to bring it out. And you saw it Monday night, like his one-on-one -on -one ability. Like, I don't know why people continue to man him up. Like you, you have no shot because he moves so well. His hips are so loose. His feet are great. Um, so I think the Buffalo bills are one in the AFC. The NFC for me is still tough. Uh, but you can't deny Brady right now. Like he seems like a man on a mission, uh, you know, he came back for whatever reason. But, you know, if you if I'm going to come back at 45, I'm not playing games. And uh, he seems like he just has it together right now. They took care of the Saints. Um, so I, I got to go with the Bucks and the Bills. Byron? Yeah, you know, I do a Super Bowl prediction every year, and it's always the same. It's always the Broncos and, and against the Vikings. It's never <laughs> happened, but uh, I still I still predict that. But but being realistic on, on this year, the NFC side is, is very tough. You know, you know, yeah. you thought uh, Tampa was going to be one of those teams that's up was going to be up there, and and they've struggled offensively. They haven't looked they haven't looked like the Tampa uh, that of last of the last couple of years. Um, you know, you thought about the Cowboys. Uh, maybe this is their year, and then their quarterback Prescott gets hurt uh, game one. Um, so on the NFC side, I, I, I'm really thinking. Uh, you know, 
being here in LA and, and watching the Rams and, and, and seeing them, they, you know, they, they're still the champs. They, they're still playing uh, really good football. Uh, they've got to be the front runner for me uh, in, in the, in the, um, in the NFC. Uh, the other team that, you know, you thought about was, was the Packers and, and they just haven't looked, looked well, you know, offensively the first couple of weeks uh, on the AFC side, <laughs> you know, my, my football crush right now is Josh Allen. Uh, Josh Allen is, is to me, he's the MVP. He's, you know, front runner for the MVP. Uh, you mentioned Diggs, uh, my boy, Stefan's having a great year starting off this thing with a bang, but, but Josh Allen is, is, is my football crush. Uh, last year I tweeted after watching that game against Kansas city that he's John Elway 2.0, uh, because a big, big quarterback that can move around, make plays, and, and just watching him do it and, and bringing that team back and, and coming back. And then and the way that they've started off this season, he, he, he's hot. So I, I think Buffalo is a complete team. Their defense looks great. They're getting turnovers. Those are the type of teams that you see make deep runs and, and, and make Super Bowl runs. So I got to go with Buffalo in, in the AFC. So bonus Look question right for you, to- Byron. Uh, bonus question for you. November 13th, the Buffalo Bills will be in Minneapolis. Or no, wait. No, the Vikings go to Buffalo. Um, are you going to go to that game? Uh, probably not because it's in November and I don't do cold weather very well anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I got soft since I left the league, man. But uh, I definitely will watch that on television. Uh, you know, that's, that's going to be a tough task, going to Orchard Park. Uh, playing in that environment, playing uh, again with those fans, and they they got some crazy fans in Buffalo, and especially when that team is playing well, that's a hard place to win. Yeah, well, that'll do it for the Ron Johnson show today. I want to thank Byron Chamberlain for joining me in the Hangover with Ron Johnson segment. And of course, the Daily Three. I want to thank Sam Ekstrom for uh, running the show. I want to thank Matt DeBritz for sitting back there doing everything on the back end. And please make sure you subscribe to the Locked On Sports Minnesota uh, YouTube channel where you can find all of our videos, all of our shows, instant podcasts after every game, and the Vikings press conferences delivering all the biggest news. Like our videos, leave your thoughts, comment section, subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota for endless Vikings talk from local experts. And also remember, comment, let us know what you think. Is our Super Bowl predictions, are they right? Can the Vikings and the Broncos make it to the Super Bowl this year? I don't know if Russ and Kirk can get it done, but who knows? Maybe Byron's dreams will come true. But please, thank you to continue to subscribe and share and comment. Have a great day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.